Welcome to In the Know with Erin Glow, a podcast bringing you information and inspiration from people in all walks of life. This is music recording artist A High with producer Bobby California. Welcome to In the Know with Erin Glow. I'm so excited about this episode because I have with me today music recording artist A High, or as I know him, Art, and producer Bobby California. They're gearing up to release their latest collaborative project, Concord Greens, which we'll get more into later on in the show. But right now, first things first, I want to introduce these talented human beings. So let's get right into it. Ahai is the son of a rapper born in Chicago and raised primarily in the Bay Area of California. He founded a love for hip hop at the age of seven, and he's completely immersed himself into the culture ever since. He recently moved to Los Angeles on a leap of faith to pursue his dreams. As always, you're always going after your dreams. Thanks so much for being here. No problem. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, and you're with your producer, Bobby California. How you doing? How you doing? Good. So you guys are going to talk about the music you make together and your history and all that good stuff. Yeah, we're going to get into everything, the origin, how we started, where we're going, where we're at now, all of that. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Okay, so Art, you know, I've known you for a long time now. Uh, before we dive into the interview, I wanted to give the listeners a little background on how we know each other. Um, I think I met you, it was around 2011, if I'm correct. So it's been, wow, it's been like 11 years. Doesn't seem that long ago. For a decade. It's crazy. Yeah, so you and I, we met in San Francisco. We worked together for a period of time. And I just remember you being very kind and being very open to people's stories and kind of being everyone's friend. And that always led to great conversations. And, you know, you embraced my silliness. I embraced your personality. And it was a fun time. You know, back then we were working on our creative passions. Like I was working on my book and you were working on your music career. And I think we kind of bonded over that. But I just remember it seeming so far away, you know, being in LA and and pursuing our dreams back then. So fast forward to now, 11 years later, it's just awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long journey. It's been a long time coming. And uh, it finally feels like things are, you know, starting to really take off. But yeah, we'll get into it. But, you know, dreams don't have an expiration date. So that's that's the kind of the motto that I live by. I'm sure Bobby agrees with me with that on that as well. So most definitely, most definitely. That's amazing. I love that. Dreams don't have an expiration date. So that's how I got to know you and become your friend. I don't know Bobby, but I'm excited to get to know him because I've heard a lot of great things. So it should be a good conversation. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Talk to me more about how did you get involved with music and what were those initial musical stages like for you? So um, born in Chicago, uh, my father was uh, in the military, or he was a Marine, and he was stationed at first, I believe, in San Diego. And once he finished, you know, his term there, then we migrated to, or we went up north to Concord. So I think by the time I got to Concord, I was still young. I want to say maybe a year or two. So I tell people that I'm born in Chicago, but this is why I feel I'm mostly raised in, you know, the Bay Area, uh, because from two years old, I went to kindergarten there. And then I really didn't start going back and forth until middle school is when I really started, you know, living, actually living in Chicago and going to school there. But um, essentially, that's where, you know, I grew up. And uh, 
my dad was a rapper in the early 90s. He was the one that, you know, took me to the studio. Uh, the very first time I remember it was just like going to my uncle's house and, you know, he had the studio built in his home. So, you know, they put on cartoons and things for me and gave me Teddy Grahams and stuff to kind of keep me busy and I can watch TV and whatnot. But, you know, I, I end up walking into where the studio was and just peeking in and I can see my my uncle K. Lou like on the beat, you know, on the uh, actual machine. And, you know, he has the soundboard there. And then I see in the glass booth, I see my dad rapping and I can hear over the speakers like what he's saying into the mic is coming back. And I just stood there for a minute, just like, like I like that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that same trip, my mom really, uh, you know, let me listen to like Rick James and New Edition and Michael Jackson and, and the Jackson 5. And you know what I mean? I was kind of like in that bag, you know, like the disco and, you know, the 80s, 90s Motown, you know, that type of music. And so that day that he took me to the studio was really the first time that I heard rap, like really heard like with real cursing and everything. And it was Biggie's Ready to Die tape. And I remember we got to Juicy, like he's letting the tape go and we got to Juicy. Like it finished and I was like, rewind that, <laughs> like play that again. And I want to say he played that shit like six or seven times for me, you know, just on the way to the studio, like driving there. So I, it was like my my love and everything just happened like on that day. Like I, that's why I can remember it so profoundly because like it it changed everything as far as what I knew I wanted to do uh, for Bob, you know. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little different. My dad was definitely not a rapper. <laughs> so uh it, for me, it was more after I got out of high school, a lot of my friends were rapping and stuff, and I just, I enjoyed being around the, the atmosphere and having fun, and I didn't want to rap, so I tried to figure out what else I could do to be a part of it, so I just started learning how to make beats, and here we are. Here we are. Awesome. Those are fun stories. I have to tell you, Art, Teddy Graham, do you mean like the little cookies? Yeah, yeah I, I actually, I got sick that day. <laughs> uh, I ended up throwing up, because... <laughs> No, because they, my uncle K. Lou, from what I remember, he was our mailman. And um, uh, Kenny Lou Franklin, shout out to Kenny Lou Franklin, man. I love you. Um, he was our mailman, but at the same time, you know, he had his music thing going. And, you know, he was making beats and he was actually working with major talent. Like he was uh, working with uh, Master P and No Limit when they were, you know, in the beginning stages, you know, when they migrated from down south and like were really starting to collaborate and work with like Bay Area, you know, guys and stuff. So my dad, you know, mentioned stories of when they brush shoulders and things like that, just in passing or whatever. But it's like my uncle, you know, he has plaques on his wall, like in his studio, of, you know, just all these artists and people that, you know, we look up to that he's worked with. So yeah, the studio at that time, like, you know, it's, he had a nice house. I remember the house was really big. It was a nice house. And it was kind of like I could eat whatever I wanted type of thing. And I was, I just got greedy. And I remember I was eating the all chocolate ones, the golden ones. Like, I just remember it was a yellow box, a red box, and a blue box. And I think I smashed them all myself. <laughs> like, by the time we got home, I was puking everywhere. So it's like, yeah, I got a taste of the good life. For a second, I didn't know how to respond or act to that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I mentioned that because what's weird is you're the second person on my podcast to talk about eating Teddy Grahams as a kid. <laughs> it's like, what are the odds of that? <laughs> Classic, like. Yeah, you know, yeah. He was doing something right. You got a box of Teddy Grahams. Yep, yep. <laughs> Do you still eat them today? 
I have not had Teddy Graham since then. I think that experience after that, I was like, all right, I had my feel. Like, <laughs> I haven't touched the box of him since that day. Wow. All right. Was there a specific moment when you were involved in music where it dawned on you that you wanted to do it as a career? Yeah, I would say like that moment at the studio, like once I saw it, my dad actually, once we got back, I remember telling him we, we were obviously, we played Juicy on the way home. This is how I know he loved me because he didn't even play the recordings or the references that he had just recorded, like to listen to himself and the speakers on the way home. He, he still put the Juicy tape back on for me. So was, I was like, cool. And we listened to that on repeat all the way home. So in total, I probably listened to that shit like 15 times that day. But uh, I, he knew that I wanted to do it. And I mean, shortly after, I, I can't remember how long it was, but I, he wrote my first rap for me and had me memorize it. And, you know, it's one of those things like it's kind of helping me to just get comfortable saying it on command in, in front of people. So if he had guests over or friends over, or if he was rehearsing with his buddies or they had writing sessions, he'd be like, hey, go ahead and kick that real quick. So it didn't matter who was around, like I would just do it, you know? And then from there, I started kind of writing on my own, you know, my own words. I didn't really know what I was saying. You know, you're talking about like an eight or nine year old kid, like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, you know, but as long as it rhymes, you know, I'm at least starting the process of formulating those thoughts and, you know, putting them down on pen and pad. So. That really did it for me. When I say that moment in that time period and that trip that he took me on, like he probably didn't know like how much that would have an effect on me. You know what I'm saying? But that changed my life for real. I've been rocking with it ever since. How about you, uh, Bobby? You know, like like I say, you know, I was, I was making beats for all, all the homies and stuff, and uh, it was just fun. I, I never thought that I was gonna do anything with it, but a few of my guys they they actually got on tour with with JT the bigger figure who was a big time producer rapper from San Francisco and I you know made me think like hey man I, we got something going here if if the beats I'm making is is getting people on tour and stuff so uh, after that I kind of started taking it a little bit more serious yeah cool so art your father was a rapper so my question was are there any more family members involved in music obviously your dad do you guys influence each other or look to each other for ideas even now does your dad still rap? As far as other family members, yes, there is a huge collective of us now. My little brother is rapping, which is really dope. Um, I have a cousin who's a DJ who's really building his name up. Shout out to Fresh um, out of Chicago. Shout out to Banky. And that's my little bro that raps. I have a whole gang of cousins. My cousin D, D-Boy, Money Make. Dre Day. I mean, there's there's a lot of us that are really starting to get into it. And we've all been doing this since we were young. Like a lot of times, even when we're out like today, like if I go home and we're at a party somewhere in the middle of the party, somebody's going to kick a beat or we'll throw an instrumental on and, and just have a freestyle session and we're just passing it to each other. You know, my cousin, Mr. Talented and Damon Tolbert. It's like there's, there's a lot of us <laughs> like there's a lot of us. We're all into it. My father has not rapped um, in a very, very long time. He retired, you know, he had three kids and, you know, I had responsibilities, you know, him and my mother. So he decided to take a step back and focus on work and stuff. So I'm kind of picking up the torch, you know, for him. I love hearing his feedback when I do record new songs and, 
you know, he's one of the people that I'll send it to first, you know, for him to check it out. But um, we're actually working on something now. Idea was sparked from my stepmother. Uh, she found his old cassettes, like these really old, like the smaller cassettes. Um, they're probably outdated now. So we have to find a place to where we can extract the audio. But it has all the sessions on it, you know, everything that he's ever done. So I'm looking to extract those files and kind of do a bridge the gap back to the future type thing to where, you know, I can put his voice on, you know, modern beats today and I can go back and rap on older beats back then. And we have a bridge the gap project. So that's in motion right now. So that's incredible. Oh, that's such a good idea. It's showing your influence as a kid. And, and now here you are doing your own thing as well. I love that. Absolutely. Like just where it all started. And, you know, it's kind of like an ode to him, you know, really for me, because, you know, your father's always your that's your first superhero, like before Superman or Batman or any of those guys, your pops is like, that's your everything right there. So and his influence as far as introducing me to just hip hop culture, you know, this is I live, breathe, walk like hip hop is me every day. So the most profound thing to have the biggest impact on my life was given to me by you. It just feels natural. Yeah, I, th I really thank him for it. So I think this project will show that, you know. And also Pops got bars <laughs> while Pops can spit. <laughs> <laughs> so I know for me, whenever I talk to another writer, I feel like a special connection. And, and you know, there's something there that no other person can understand. Do you feel that same way with other people involved in hip hop? Absolutely. It's uh, the collaboration process. And that's why me and Bobby, like, it's weird. Our relationship came around 360, really. Like, we end up losing touch somehow, right? Yeah. How did it? I mean, I feel like I moved away from the apartments and then I kind of just lost touch. And... and then I ended up moving back to Chicago. And so you're talking, you know, from we grew up together in childhood, but was like a 15 year gap somewhere around there probably and like once we come back it's like i make beats oh i rap and and you want to tell her like how you felt about that like that whole when you were told that i rap uh, and stuff i mean you know like when you're doing this everybody's a rapper everybody's doing that music thing you know you know so one of one of the the ogs shout out to to jeremy DeGroff. He said, you know, little Art is uh, is rapping, bro. You should work with him. And I was just like, oh, man. like, And everybody's rapping, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, I thought I was big stuff. and But then I listened to him and I was like, wow, this kid's dope, man. Like, I, I got to work with him. <laughs> I think he kind of had the same feeling because I had to chase him down a little bit to get him to work with me. But we're, we're doing it now, so. Yeah, so it was around that time, like, uh, I think I just... I think the work of art project, I was definitely in Chicago at the time. I put out a mixtape before I left the Bay Area called Black to the Future. And then as soon as I got to Chicago, I dropped the work of art. And I think the time he started reaching out to me was right around the time, like my first real like studio album titled Skywalkers came out. And so the response that I was getting from that was big. And then I was getting a lot of people that wanted to work with me at that time. It's like... It went from like nobody really knowing who I was to like, okay, it's, you know, blogs are starting to repost my stuff. And it was, you know, a lot of the songs were getting really good hits and the plays were going up. So obviously your network of people who want to work with you and collaborate with you was big. 
So us still finding each other, you know, still took a minute. But it's like once we got it and we got together and, you know, we started connecting with music, it's, yeah, that energy, you know, just in collaboration. You know, we're positive guys, you know what I'm saying? We don't really, like our subject matter, you know, it's not too serious. We'll, we'll touch on serious subjects, but, you know, for the most part, you hear the songs and the things that we talk about. It's really a reflection of who we are. We don't try to pretend to be something that we're not. We don't talk about luxury rap and mansions and cars and all this stuff, stuff that we don't have. You know what I'm saying? Like, just even if we had it, like, even if we had it, it's like, it's stuff we wouldn't even talk about. It's like just humble dudes, you know what I mean? So when we are working with each other, just to have that mindset and just know it's about the art. For us, it's like, we look at each of these songs, like these are individual scores we're creating three and a half minutes or four minutes of, it's like a movie. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear the song, I want you to feel and be able to dance to it, but I want you to be able to take something from it too. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's a story or sometimes it's just some, a feel good to, you know, put on in the middle of a party or for background noise. You know what I'm saying? We appeal to everything, you know, real versatile. So it's all about positive energy, you know, reaching the same, the same end goal or the same result, which is, man, we want this one particular song to be the best it could possibly be. Yeah, it's true, though. I mean, that's what sets you apart, I think, in the hip hop world. And you know what bothers me is a lot of the, I mean, everybody has their own thing, but I feel like a lot of hip hop artists that are really big today, they don't have a lot of uh, depth to their songs. Like you're talking about what you just write about what what you're going through. It's not about fancy cars and all that. It's scary to be yourself. You know, it's, mm. it's hard to stand out on that limb by yourself. Like, that's why you see so many clones. And, and I mean, it's also from a business standpoint, I see that side of it too. If I see something that works and I know it works, then why wouldn't I just copy that? And so you see that. Yes, yes, that's it. You're right. Why do you think that is though? Because I mean, this is their passion. They want to be who they are through their passion. Why do you think so many people choose just to go the popular route and not really you know, be who they are. I think for a, a lot of people, it's it's not a passion for them. It's just a way to get the bag, you know, like. Okay. They yeah. see, you know, I got, I got the look, I got the sound. I just rap about getting money and girls and nice cars and, and it works, you know? So, I mean, not to, not to say everybody's like that, but I think for the majority of stuff that's making money right now, once you get that, that first check, it's kind of hard to start making stuff that you're personal to yourself or whatever. You want to keep getting that money. You know? It's that microwave society. Like you want the end result and the quickest amount of time and effort possible. You know what I'm saying? So creating your own sound and finding your own identity, that takes a lot of soul searching. It takes time to do that. That's why the one you get a lot of one hit wonders probably now more than ever. You know what I'm saying? It's because they like whatever their intentions were when they got into it, you know, they, once they get that, like you may pop off on that one, but you know, you gotta be, you gotta have substance. You gotta have depth. You gotta be able to recreate that. You can't just be that one flash in the pan. And cause then you're a one and done. We're seeing more of that now, you know, and the technology's really opened everything up. So it's no holes barred now. Like anybody can go viral. So there's a lot of MCs that I know, trust and believe that I feel should be at the top. Like these guys are amazing, but the world doesn't know they exist. And that makes it really, really difficult to try to navigate in this. Yeah. I mean, social media can be a good and a bad thing in that way. 
you have a lot of exposure to people, but I mean, if you don't have a platform to, to jump off of where, you know, you got to work really hard to even get your name out there. And that's, I, I miss, kind of miss the days of MySpace when, <laughs> when, when you first, you know, MySpace was a big thing and, and a lot of people, a lot of talented people, I think, um, were Look, able to shout, use shout it. Out to, shout out to Tom. Shout out to Tom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when it was Facebook was just for, you know, colleges and now it's for everyone. Yeah, yeah. You had to have now it's for your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to have an EDU, actual EDU email address. Yes, yes. Actually yeah. It. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's great that we can all connect and, and all of that. But I feel like there's so many young people as we use it just to, I mean, oh. for lack of a better phrase, an ego boost. I mean, pretty, much, pretty much. Yeah. And it's sad um, because, you know, they have yeah. so much potential, but it's just like, oh let's get that you're right that immediate attention that immediate just response like when you see people literally so i'll see some of the funniest like i'm not gonna lie like so i laugh every day at the shit that i see on social media (laughs) just because you there's literally some of the wittiest and funniest people in the world like who are posting it's just the the actual the the post itself is just entertaining and it's funny and it's fast and and then you see you know a hundred people just repost it on their shit like they made it up and it just completely takes away from the original person who created the content and it just sucks you know i feel for that person who's like man this is some dope shit like to say i was the first one to say it now it's a thousand of those floating around and you know what i mean like it's that that's like i can't imagine you know i put out a song someone takes my lyrics and starts spreading that shit around like they they made these bars up i'd be pissed (laughs) you know what i'm saying like hey bro yeah yeah it's you know it's true. It's oh my gosh, social media. I have a love hate relationship with it. <laughs> it's really love hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You mentioned Biggie when you were little. You you listen to him. Who are some of your other musical inspirations? And do you have any favorite songs? Anything that sticks out? So as far this is funny because I actually just posted like my all time list not too long ago. So in no particular order. I'm not going to list any songs because there it's just, no, I'll be here all day. Uh, but in no particular order, these are like, you know, my favorite guys and really who gets the most rotation and spins, you know, when I'm driving or walking around in my headphones, really in any setting, like I can listen to these guys. Jay, as in Jay-Z, Kendrick, uh, Kanye, Lupe Fiasco, Lil Wayne, J. Cole, Nas. Ludacris, Most Def, and Method Man. Like er- all my writing, just the things that I've learned about wordplay and just charisma and just bar structure and just a lot of it comes from those guys in particular. Very talented men, that's for sure. You know, what's funny is my hip hop knowledge is limited, but when I was little, my older brother, he introduced me to hip hop. And I remember the first hip hop song that I loved, and I, I don't know if you agree on this song, but uh, was Regulators by oh, Warren yeah. G and Nate Dog. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a West Coast classic. Yes, yes. I loved that song. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, uh. yeah. You can't have a 90s playlist like without Regulators on. Yeah, it's so catchy. It's just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
why don't we talk about what you're doing now? You have new music coming out, how you and Bobby are working together. Why don't you get into that? Yeah, actually our project is, um, what was it, six songs? Uh, it's actually getting mastered right now. So we are hoping to have the product project out uh, June, mid-June probably. So we've been working on it for a long time, a lot of time and effort into it. So we're, we're hoping uh, people- And the thing that it. people are gonna really pull from it is that uh, there wasn't really a centralized theme or if there was a centralized theme, it was just display and showcase our versatility. So when you listen to these songs, you'll see that they're all standalone singles. You know, it's just really a compilation of the work that we've been putting in behind the scenes and a culmination of, you know, our favorite ones and the ones that we feel are ready to be pushed to the public. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not one of those things where it's gonna be a theme type project, but it does have good replay value and it flows from one track to the next. And again, they're all very different and unique, you know, from each other. So I think people are going to enjoy it. And, you know, I'm excited to see which one, which ones or, you know, people gravitate to the most, you know what sure. I'm saying? Like yeah. for real, it's kind of like an experiment. Like it's, it's, it's cool. How many songs is it? And do you have a title for it? So there's six songs total and it's really just uh, Conquer Greens. Nice. Yeah, Conquer Greens. That's the uh, the apartment complex we actually grew up together in, which is kind of cool. So yeah, so taking it back to where it all started, you know. Yes, yes. It's going to be uh, essentially a volume series. So this is you know volume one, and you know once we build up uh, you know the library and we feel the time is right, then we'll hit them with volume two and so on and so forth. You know, so. This is the first one. So we wanted to set the bar high and we hope in, you know, people enjoy it as much as we, we did making it, you know? Right. Okay, Art and Bobby, we're gonna take a moment here because it's time for Love Letter Break. Welcome to Love Letter Break. This is the break in the episode where I ask my guests to come up with one to three people to express gratitude for. Um, this was inspired by a 30-day love letter challenge I did for myself, I know, in 2020. I asked Art to come up with the people that are near and dear to his heart and who have made an impact in his life. And he's going to talk about them now. So Art, who did you choose for your love letter break? First, uh... God rest her soul. My grandmother, Johnny Mae Morrow. As a kid, I was very, uh, I was very shy to speak in Chicago because growing up in California, you have a very different uh, tonality and slang that you speak with, and it didn't quite resonate in Chicago. And so I became very insecure about that. And uh, she essentially told me to be yourself and you know forget what other people think and don't worry about what other people think about you, just be comfortable within yourself. So um, definitely her for that. Uh, number two, my mother, just thank you for all the love and just your energy and strength and everything that you know, you've endured. I truly appreciate you and thank you for all the sacrifices you made. And for my father, thank you for not only helping to bring me here, but 
for introducing me to hip hop. That's it. Thank you so much. Okay, so as we talked about, it's not easy to chase after a music career, especially when you don't have a platform to jump off of. You're not, you know, the child of someone famous, anything like that. So is there like a particular struggle? I know you, you're obviously every day is a struggle trying to make it work hard, but is there one particular struggle that you want to share with the listeners about where it really tested your faith, tested you going on and testing that you even wanted to continue this career? And how did you get through that? Honestly, I haven't broken through that barrier yet, but just overall marketing and exposure and just finding the proper ways to navigate through a sea of, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like content to where yours will stand out. You know, it's, uh, you can't really just rely on, you know, posting on Facebook or, you know, Twitter or any of those type of things and just hoping that it, or rely on that for it to go viral. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. When people go viral, it's literally like a lightning in a bottle when that happens. So obviously, I believe in the brand. I believe in the talent. I believe in the things that we're creating. It's just how do we stand out, you know, at this point. So uh, that's the major hurdle. I think that a lot of independent musicians are facing because when you don't have that machine and have that push, like you'll notice, you know, you'll see certain artists when the machine is working, they're everywhere. You see their faces in all the ads. You see them on TV. You know, they're doing promo runs. It's because they have the financial backing and push from the company that's investing in them, you know, so they need them to do well in order for them to make their return. So when you're independent, you have none of that. It's all grassroots. So you literally have to try to come up with new and innovative and creative ways, you know, to, again, you know, get yourself to the masses, but it's not easy. And we're, we're still trying to figure it out each and every day. I think even when you figure it out, you still never figure it out. So <laughs> you have to keep expanding and keep growing. So it's like a continuous problem, really. Yeah. Always keeping up with the times. Bobby, what about you? Is there anything like any particular tool you use or, or mindset? Like, do you tell yourself things when you're feeling doubt that helps you along the way? Yeah, for sure. I think I feel like I've probably quit producing a, a, a thousand times, <laughs> um, <laughs> but after a week or two, you know, I have an amazing wife who, who believes in me and pushes me and she tell me, go, go make a beat or something. You're, you're being an asshole right now. So it's like, <laughs> if I don't have that creative output, even if I, you know, if it's to make a beat for, for a project or just to do something creative, I, I feel like that's my push, you know, like I've learned that that's how I keep myself grounded. And, um, but I just enjoy it, you know, so just try and make, make something new every day if you can. You know? For sure. Shout out to your wife. What's her name? Uh, Elnaz. Nice. All right. So she's definitely one of the factors that helps you to keep going. That's awesome. Okay. So we were talking about social media earlier and our, I know, and Bobby, you guys were around before social media became a thing, just like I was. <laughs> we're old for that. <laughs> I haven't had to promote like a show. I used to do shows sometimes with bands and music promotion and all that back in the day. But I haven't done it in a while and and I don't know how it is now, but how do you promote your shows? Do you still use flyers? Do you go out and give flyers away, give promo materials away, or do you just strictly use social media? And how do you feel about both forms? Do you feel like one is better than the other? So back when Skywalkers came out and I think that dropped in 2014. So I was doing a lot of promo 
in like 2013. I believe we started like maybe six or seven months before we actually got the physical copies. And back then, uh, inspired by my boy, Tone Famous, uh, rest in peace, Anthony Try. He um, basically had a label called Format. I was like his first signed, you know, act. He was an MC as well, but he started this for, you know, to bring not only his friends and his, you know, his brothers on, but so that he believed in our talent as well. And so, you know, it was me and him, basically, I'm in Chicago, he's in the Bay Area, and he's flying out to, you know, help when he can, but for the most part, we're just calling and keeping in contact every day. And, you know, he basically put it into my hands, like, yo, this is your career, you got to take the reins of this, like, how bad do you want it? And if you want it, then you got to get out there. So back then, we had flyers pressed, I would hit all the colleges, um, I'd go do interviews with the college radios, you know, just making my rounds, trying to get people to, you know, just know the name, uh, do sh- a lot of shows, you know, obviously post on social media, maybe not as much as I do now. But yeah, now, you know, fast forward, everything, I don't think I've walked around and passed out flyers or anything like that. It's been years. You know, everything I'm doing now is digital. So it's just trying to find, you know, like I said, new and creative ways to, it's like making an ad, you know, like having your own ad company. Like I got 15 to 20 seconds of their attention. And, you know, I got a show coming up. It's easy just to put up, you know, just a flyer or something like that, but you gotta go that extra mile and make, get a trailer made or something. You know what I'm saying? Even for the people who can't be there, they at least see that you're working. So I'm always trying to pump out new content and show people what I'm working on and what we have, you know, happening. But yeah, no more uh, <laughs> walking around on foot and putting flyers on windshields or anything like that. It's pretty much, on my social media handles and things, you'll catch what I'm doing there. So it's changed a lot. Yeah, it has. What about live streaming? Like a lot of people will do concerts live streaming now. I mean, that's, that is exciting, but do you feel it takes away from when they could go and see you in person? Do you think you're losing people? Absolutely not. I think live streaming and live shows, that's like, I was in, I remember when the pandemic happened, um, I was at my sister's house and me and my little brother, did a IG live. I think we used her iPad for Instagram and then my phone for Facebook. So we had two running at the same time. And I was inspired by Versus because, you know, the pandemic happened and we were all on lockdown. And this was like when, right before the first episode of Versus or maybe after the first one came on, you know, they, and I saw how they did it. And me and him did the same exact thing. I was self-conscious about it. So I ended up deleting it like a couple weeks later. But like, it was dope just to, cause I've never done anything like that. And I was like, okay, that's a whole nother way to really get yourself out there. You know what I'm saying? So planning right now, we're in the works of throwing a live event in Chicago. We're planning for next month, but the show's gonna be in July. So next month's kind of gonna be arranging and getting it all together. But uh, streaming in July, we're gonna do a show and it's gonna be live stream. You know what I'm saying? So if a show or venue has a certain capacity, this is a whole nother way to get thousands or potentially millions of other eyes on you. Not saying I'm gonna have a million people watching me, but you know what I mean? Like you never know if this person shares the link, that shares the link, that shares the link. That can extrapolate to a lot of people really, really fast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can definitely see the benefit that way. Have you ever found though that people will choose a live stream over an in-person event if they're in the same area? Or do you think that most people would just go regardless of the live stream? I honestly, I, this will be my second attempt really doing it. 
Um, so I still don't even, I don't really know. Like uh, the pandemic slowed everything down. So I'm really just getting out here, like even doing live performances again. But since this year started, I've done maybe two or three shows only. So uh, yeah, everything's slowly starting to ramp up. So, you know, we're just uh, keeping, you know, our eyes open and being optimistic to any and all facets and possibilities of, you know, ways to really push our music and our content. So this question's for both of you guys. What would you say is one of the biggest highlights of your career? And what is one goal that you have yet to achieve? You know, I've had a lot of highlights in my career, but I don't think any of them have really been personal. I've been lucky to work with with some amazing talent and gone places and, and, and done, you know, big venues and stuff like that. But it's never was was my personal achievements. So um, I think that would be my goals would be to to have that kind of success um, for us for this project for for whatever projects I'm working on. Yeah, I would say uh, my dad's a prideful dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, big like he taught me to play chess when I was like five. And um, wow, yeah, you would think like you know your father would take it easy on you. He whooped my ass. Like, I think the first time I beat him, I was like 14. So yeah, for like nine or 10 years, I pretty much lost like every time we played. So, and you got to think that's, we're playing some days, we're playing like nine, 10 games. Some days we're playing two, some days we're playing one. It's thousands of games. So he's, uh, he's not one to take it easy or take it light. And one day, this was some years ago, after the Skywalkers project, actually, I think it was around the time my AHI uh, self-titled project came out. Uh, this is around like maybe 2017, 2018. And, um, you know, he just told me straight up, you're a better MC than I ever was. And for me, that was like from the dude that introduced me to hip hop. I thought that was the like dopest shit, just everything coming full circle. I think from there, that's when I kind of got even more serious about like rapping. Like I knew I already was in it and I wanted to do it, but that was like even more fuel. Like, okay, the torch has been passed to me now. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, now I'm doing this for me, him, Tony, you know, I'm doing it for a lot of people. So that moment was, it felt really big for me. I think I teared up a little bit at that point. Um, as far as where we're going, honestly, I don't, I don't have that because there's not a ceiling, you know, that I want to hit. I just want to go as far as we can go in all media. I eventually would want to act and do movies and be behind the scene uh, producing and helping other artists, you know, and putting them on and having my own label. Like, my scope and everything that I'm interested in and want to do, like, who knows, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I want to have my hands in a lot of different pots. So I can't really say where I want to end up or what that one thing would be, you know what I'm saying? Because there's so many different things that I want to experience and do. Yeah, that makes sense. I love how your highlight is. It's so touching. It's from the heart. Oh, it was, it was a real genuine moment. Like when he told me that, like, he had never told me that before when he heard the songs, like he'll tell me, yeah, this song's dope, you know, or you need to work on this or, and it's funny, like we'd have our conversations and he remember bars from songs that he'd written, that he talked about. And if we're on certain subjects, he'd be like, man, I remember I talked about, you know, and I just hearing them rap, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really cool dynamic that we have. So yeah, when he said that, like I knew he meant it, you know what I'm saying? That's why it meant a lot to me. Cause I knew he meant that shit. <laughs> yeah, you held that at high regard. So it's like saying you made it. Absolutely. Like I felt, I felt like I made it with that for real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, making it doesn't necessarily mean selling millions of records. It means how you feel inside about yourself. I, I believe that. Absolutely. 
That's why I try to tell a lot of people that we collaborate and work with. And when I say I know a very talented collective, like shout out to Abstract Mind, 2G, like there's so many that I can name. It's like, y'all, we've made it already. We're just waiting for time to catch up. Like we're already there. We just have to keep doing what we're doing, stay true to our craft and, you know, to everything that we got going. Uh, shout out to Stringers, you know what I'm saying? King Seven. Yeah, there's a lot of us that's that's working, but all it takes is for the right set of ears, the, you know, the right song. You know, if one of us gets on and, you know, it's, it's open from there. You know, the world's going to hear a lot of talent and a lot of content coming, you know? Awesome. What's one of the most important things you learned that you didn't know before about music and about life in general? I would say like you have to learn both sides to this coin. It's it's easy to only create the music and it's kind of like playing lottery. You put your music out there and you just hope that the right set of ears hears it and, and it catches. And But I'm starting to really learn the business, you know, of the music and the behind the scenes on, you know, not your royalties and your publishing and your masters and how to correctly do song splits and, you know, just all these things that I think a lot of us overlook. And even myself, I overlooked it because um, my boy Tony, again, I won. When he brought me on as the artist, he was kind of like the business mind behind it. So a lot of those things I didn't have to even worry about or think about. You know, I just knew that Antone knows what that is. Like, he's going to handle it, you know, and he's not around anymore. You know, so it's uh, I'm finally starting to put that hat on and, and, you know, take the reins of that as well. Because that's where a lot of people are missing out, you know, on collecting, you know, the money for the work that they put in. Like we, there's a lot of money that goes into creating these songs that we do it. You know what I mean? You got to think about buying the beat and the studio time. And then also the editing that comes in post and the artwork and then the promo material and add on top if you want to shoot a music video for it. There's a lot that independent artists working regular nine to five jobs, take a huge portion of that money to do this. You know what I'm saying? So I want everyone to be compensated because this is art. We're creating art and we're keeping it alive and, and pushing in the world, you know, for this particular art form, and, you know, which is hip hop, you know, this culture, it's, it's huge. So yeah, just uh, continuing to, to push and put out our content and, you know, in all the ways that we can. What about you, Bobby? Is there anything you want to add about anything you've learned that you didn't know before you got into the industry? Honestly, I feel like don't don't overthink anything. You know, music is a feeling. So what you created, just put it out. Don't hold it. Don't don't try and perfect it. Sometimes you ruin the feeling or the mood if you try and make something too perfect or redo it or whatever. So, yeah, I, I held a lot of music for a long time. So, I, yeah, I would definitely say just put your music out. Okay, and if you could give one piece of advice to anyone out there trying to chase a music career like you guys, what would you say along the same lines as what you just said or anything different? Anything you want to add? Make sure you got money. Yeah. Get a job. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's, not, it's not a cheap investment, but believe in yourself and uh, it takes just, money to just, make money. Just work hard, you know? Yeah, that's facts. Uh, for me, what we let off with, dreams do not have an expiration date. Don't feel you are too old or too out of touch or too out of whatever. If you're dope, you're dope. And honestly, that's the shit that lives on. 
You know what I mean? The the gimmicks and the flash in the pan stuff, it's gone. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But the real quality stuff, that's the stuff that lasts for decades and decades. So, you know, just don't feel like it's ever too late. It's not. All right. So now we're going to let listeners hear a little snippet of something you and Bobby worked on art. So why don't you introduce what we're about to hear and give a little background about it? Yeah, yeah. You already know what it is. This is a high Bobby California. Together we are Conquer Greens. This will be the, the snippet of the first single uh, join off of our project, our collaborative project. It's called Win the Weekends. Check it out. so much for sharing that snippet so exciting you said again june it should be out you guys will keep us updated yeah we're finalizing and getting everything ready in june so we'll have the push you know the going and you know we should have this first single out by then um the actual official release will be in july okay all right why don't you tell everyone are you how many albums and eps do you have out uh let's see uh, mixtapes, I actually just dropped one on Valentine's Day of this year, probably my most recent project. Um, I would say total mixtapes, I have three. EPs, I have three in the works right now. Uh, for the rest of the year, kind of going to take a step back. Um, other than the collaborative project that I'm going to do with my father, that will most likely be an EP or an LP, depending on how much material we can we can get. But outside of that, I think I'm just going to do a lot of singles. I probably have dozens of singles ready to go. So, yeah, it's going to kind of flood them this summer. Every couple of days has some coming out, you know, so people know that we're working and keeping busy. And that's kind of my plan of attack right now, at least. Okay, awesome. And where can people listen to your stuff if they want to find you right now before this new music comes out? Because you have a lot of stuff on online already. So where can they find that? And do you have a website, social media? What do you want to give out for people to find you? Absolutely. Um, so our music is available on all DSPs, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Amazon Music, we're everywhere. Um, you can search AHI, the Have Nots. The Have Not is spelled T-H-E-H-A-V-E-V as in Victor, uh, N-A-U-T. So as in astronaut. Um, all one word, the have not. That's my handle for my Instagram, my Twitter, everything. So if you want to follow me on social media, you can catch me there. Once again, that's the have not. As you search me on YouTube, I should pull up. 
you know, and uh, you can find everything there. I'm pretty, I stay pretty up to date as far as new releases and content. So you'll see what I got going and what I'm working on for sure. Great. And what about you, Bobby? Is there any social media you want to give out? Uh, it's uh, I-5 Productions, but it's spelled E-Y-E and then the number five productions or uh, Bobby California, depending on um, which social media you use. Uh, I'm also uh, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. You can look up Bobby California. I do have some stuff I released uh, production wise on there. So we're easy to find. Are you open to working with new people or you have a set some, amount of people? I have a lot of projects in the work, not just this one. Um, a couple other albums that I'm, I'm working on. And uh, yeah, I'm constantly looking for new artists, whatever. So. I just want to create. And I have a bunch of singles, open verses. A lot of the guys that I know and that I've been, you know, growing in this industry with, going to be a lot of features coming soon, but always open to new ones. The have not music at gmail.com. You know, if you want to send me something, if you want me on, you want a 16, you know, anything like that, hit me up. Thank you so much. I'm going to end the interview with the same question I ask every guest. And it's a question that was actually inspired by a social anxiety disorder I had as a child. Um, the disorder was called selective mutism. And what it is, is it's when a child has severe anxiety and they can't speak out loud in certain situations. So the question I ask everyone is, if you could say only one more thing out loud once more for the rest of your life, what would it be? I love you. That's such a deep question. Like... Super deep. Oh no. I love you. It's all the best. That would be my last. Every morning I wake up and not because it's the truth, but I try to speak it into existence. But I, I tell myself I'm the best. So I guess I'll go with that. Tell them don't forget to turn off the stove. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you clear my search history. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. I love those answers. Thank you guys so much for being here and for sharing your story. I'm so excited for people out there to hear it and for anyone else chasing a dream like yours to be inspired because you guys are truly talented people. And I'm not just saying that because I know you, you really are. And I hope you can find the exposure you need to get further and tell your story to as many people as possible. That's what I'm trying to do with this. And I know a lot of good people out there are trying to do the same thing and it can be very tough. So I admire your your strength and your determination, both of you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you. Faith without works is dead. So, you know, positive things come to positive thinkers. Just keep pushing forward and see where it goes. Just don't give up. All right, before we end, I'm going to share an inspirational quote that's relative to the episode, like I do at the end of every show. And I chose this one because these are lyrics from the song Juicy by Notorious B.I.G., which, like Art said earlier, was the first hip-hop song he ever heard that was inspirational for him. So we're going to hold it down here with that quote. Since it's lyrics, it's simple, but it's effective. So here we go. You know very well who you are. Don't let them hold you down. Reach for the stars. You had a goal, but not that many. Because you're the only one. I'll give you good and plenty. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. As always, in everything you do, don't forget to glow and shine bright. With Aaron Glow is a high Bobby California. We out.